Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the letter of 2 Timothy. That series is entitled, Guard the Faith. And the message this morning has a unique twist to it. You ready? Resurrection endurance. I know those two words typically don't go together, but I believe they do in our text. And that text is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. So please turn there in your Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. Resurrection endurance. When I saw that word endurance, which actually is prominently displayed in our text, the word endure, I thought about the ship endurance. You know that ship, right? You recognize it immediately. Maybe not. This ship endurance set sail in 1914 and it was captained by Sir Ernest Shackleton. Sir Ernest Shackleton was a, an explorer and he had a desire. He wanted to be the first one along with his crew to traverse across the continent of Antarctica. Now, where is Antarctica? First of all, it's in the southern hemisphere, so it's on the other side of the world from us. You can see South America there to the left, and right in the center, that white landmass is the continent of Antarctica. And so Shackleton had this plan in 1914. I am going to land somewhere where the Wendell Sea is, on the north, sort of the upper left-hand side of that continent of Antarctica. He was going to land there. Then his ship would come around to the south side of the island there on the bottom to the Ross Sea and he and his men would walk across Antarctica traversing the South Pole and be the first ones ever to do that. Now, I want to show you a picture. First of all, I want to say, no, this is not Corey Smidgen leading the men's group in a retreat on Antarctica. Though I wouldn't put it past him. Good idea. No, not a good idea. You can take your son ice fishing, okay, in Wyoming in the Rockies in the winter, but no, no. Uh, This is actually Shackleton and his crew. What happened in 1914 is that his ship, the Endurance was caught in these ice flows right around Antarctica. By the way, the average high temperature in Antarctica in the summer, well, let's put it this way, in July, is minus 78 degrees Fahrenheit. Average high. Okay? So no complaining when it gets below 50 here in South Florida. (laughs) And so he was caught in these ice flows... And his ship couldn't move. It was immobilized. And ultimately, these ice flows were so intense that it crushed his ship. And what ensued was over a year of Shackleton leading his men to endure for that year in that cold and that hunger and that discouragement. When everything else went wrong, he led them. And really, God had mercy upon them. And over a year later, they were rescued. They endured. They endured this unmanageable cold and hunger and loss and discouragement. And the reason they endured is because they had hope 
of a rescue. That endurance was fed and nurtured through the hope of rescue. And this morning, our text tells us that we endure on this earth, sometimes in a bleak, cold landscape of hearts that can be cold, of a world that throws on us the cold water of of, of discouragement and, and things happen. We can endure with the hope of the resurrection. Actually, the power of the resurrection is the leading edge of the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God this morning, as Paul preaches this power of the resurrection that produces a resurrection endurance in us. Life comes against us. The cold that we brave is when life comes against us. Sometimes life comes against us in the lies that our culture preaches and teaches, and it's wave upon wave upon wave, ice flows float by of lies, of deception. We're challenged in what we think about God, man, what we think about marriage, what we think about finances. Corey just finished uh, speaking about giving all to the kingdom of God. And there's this, this challenge, this, this chill that comes upon us where suddenly people are saying, you're crazy. You're crazy to live in purity. You're crazy to live for God. You should live for yourself. Sometimes the opposition, the cold comes when when when. People are doing evil against us. When someone is saying, I am going to do evil against you. And we feel the chill in our souls of this opposition of evil. And sometimes the opposition simply comes from life's problems. Sickness. Difficulties. Finances go south. We, we just, we're, we're on this sort of iceberg of opposition and God has called us to endure and he's called us to endure by the power of the resurrection. Perhaps this morning you are shivering in the barren landscape of a cold heart toward God toward others that is numb and seemingly unable to feel anything or desire to serve at all. And as Corey reminded us last week, even from a very cold heart can flow the waters of God's grace because that grace sets that cold heart ablaze and causes us to have a desire that only God can birth there. And that grace this morning is represented as resurrection power. As a matter of fact, the theme of this text is this, resurrection power produces resurrection endurance for the sake of the gospel. Resurrection power produces resurrection endurance for the sake of the gospel. God's grace flows, even from cold hearts, because the source is God himself. And that grace warms our hearts and sustains us and enables us to endure. So let's read now in our text. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13, about this resurrection power. Are you with me? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. The offspring of David is preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore... I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 
The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Resurrection endurance begins with resurrection power, point one. Resurrection power. Notice how this text begins. Look at it there in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. God didn't inspire Paul to write this because somehow God thinks that we would forget Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Unless, of course, you're not a Christian. And if you're not, let me just take a moment to appeal to you. You're going to be hearing the gospel this morning. I pray that you would repent and believe. But dear Christian... God writes this to us here this morning, not because we're going to somehow forget that Jesus rose from the dead, but what we are going to forget is the resurrection truth that is contained therein. What Paul is saying is that this resurrection power is what enables you and me to endure. It's it's at the core of the gospel. It's at the core of what we believe. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, states the gospel this way. And if you're not a Christian, listen, this is the gospel. I'm about to read to you the gospel, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would move your heart and open your heart, and you would repent and believe. This is the gospel. Notice how prominent the resurrection uh, is in this gospel. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word, I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, here it is. For I delivered to you as of first importance. This is where you go if you want to preach the gospel. You want to share the gospel at work? Just go right here. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. It's a thumbnail sketch of the gospel. The whole Bible talks about this, but here it is. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Amen. That Christ was buried. Yes, he was. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So what Paul is saying is, this is the gospel that I preached to you. Back to verse 8. Jesus Christ, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead according to the gospel that I preached to you. And Paul is saying, this resurrection power is so important when you find yourself on a cold iceberg, metaphorically speaking. Or in Paul's case, when you find yourself in a cold prison cell in Rome, chained for the gospel. Look at verse 9 of our text. For which I am suffering. So catch this. Verse 8 ends with, as preached in my gospel, comma, verse 9. For which I am suffering. How was he suffering? Bound with chains as a criminal. That word criminal is a very, very intense word. That Greek word criminal has a range of meaning. One of the translations is criminal. Another one is murderer. Another one is thief. Another one is traitor. So here is Paul in a prison being treated as a murderer and as a traitor and as a thief and as a liar. He was none of those. He was suffering for the gospel. Remember, church, this letter was written around 64, 65 AD. Right around that time, probably just prior to Paul writing this, Nero, the leader, the Caesar, the emperor, had set Rome on fire so that he could then blame the Christians 
And Paul was seen as the leader of the Christians. So Paul is sitting in a cold prison, chained, and he's the worst of the worst. That's the guy that burned our city. Can you imagine how people would have looked at him? How he would have been treated? He's the terrorist that tried to blow up the airport. He's the guy that tried to bring down the Twin Towers or did. He's the guy that's trying to introduce some weapon of mass destruction against our culture. Kill him! And he's chained. By the way, this makes Onesiphorus's seeking out of Paul and befriending Paul, which we started this series with, all the more amazing. Can you imagine going to a city saying, I want to see the chief bad guy in the city that everybody hates? You do? Yeah, he's my friend. That took courage. Because they suffered for the gospel church. And we suffer for the gospel church. And he did it by the resurrection power. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I am suffering. But then look what he says at the second part of verse 9. I'm in chains, but, 9b, the word of God is not bound. Remember Jesus, risen from the dead, whose resurrection power gave me spiritual life so that I, who was dead to to God, now I'm alive in Christ, who will one day give me resurrection life when he returns. Remember him because I'm suffering for that gospel and it's the power of the resurrection that enables me to suffer for that gospel. Listen, they may chain us, they may try to shut our mouths, but they can never chain or bind the message of the gospel. Because it's the risen Lord Jesus who is overseeing it. He's the one who guards it. We already studied that a couple of weeks ago. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, I know you're discouraged. I know we Christians are the scourge of the empire. I'm currently being blamed for burning down the entire city of Rome. But oh, In this cold, dark prison, whatever prison that may be for you, maybe it's a cold, cynical heart. Maybe it's a cold heart that's been hurt by your spouse or your friends or a lot of loss. Maybe it's a heart that's just weird being made fun of at work or at school. Maybe it's a heart that is just cold and got numb. In the midst of that, my cold prison cell is set on fire by the hope and the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Remember him, Timothy. Follow my example, Timothy. They can chain us, but they can't chain the message. I love what Tony Morita says in his commentary on this text. Opponents may chain the messengers, but the sovereign Christ will make sure they cannot chain the message. Jesus is ruling, not Caesar. Jesus is Lord, not whatever leader in whatever country you are in or from or thinking about. Jesus Christ, the risen, ruling, reigning Lord, is on the throne. The tomb is empty, Timothy. The throne is occupied. Remember that. So here's a question for you. Do you find yourself chained in a cold prison of indifference to the gospel? Corey, thank you for leading us in communion. It's easy to take it for granted. Oh, it's the third Sunday. Let's just receive communion. I sense the power of the Spirit on you, bro. When you were praying, I was moved. I'm not just invited to be like a dog underneath the table of God to eat the scraps. I'm not even a servant. I'd be happy to be in the palace because it's the palace. No, no, I'm a son of God. It's that gospel. Has it grown cold in your heart, friend? Is it just something you do? Thank you for being here. 
Are you on a cold iceberg in Antarctica right now spiritually? In danger of hypothermia. Hypothermia is when your temperature gets to a dangerously low place. You're too cold. It's the grace of God. It's the power of the resurrection. It is that truth that warms your cold heart. Remember the illustration last week of the pump that Corey had when he was, had his son in the frozen tundra of the Rockies surviving on fish they caught? Thankfully they caught fish. Boy, that would have been a bad story, right, Corey? Corey's not here now because he's uh... <laughs> but no but out of that cold pump he went like that and the water started flowing because the water is the grace of God it's the power of the resurrection from death comes life that's what warms our hearts that's what will warm your heart listen imagine imagine you are one of the disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus I was just there last fall it's a real short walk. It's like walking from here down to, you know, La Carreta. And it's the day or two or three after Jesus was crucified. And all your hopes are gone. You saw your Savior, your Lord, naked, suffering on a cross. You saw him put him in a tomb. You're walking right now from Jerusalem to Emmaus. You are discouraged. You are broken. You are on an iceberg spiritually. You might as well be in Antarctica with no boats. You're stuck. You're going to die there. Until the risen Lord finds you and starts walking with you. You may be right there on that road. He he finds you and he starts walking with you. The funny thing is, they didn't recognize him initially. You know the story. If you don't, go read it. They didn't recognize him. Until he broke bread with them. The whole communion thing. And after he revealed himself to them, listen to what they said to one another. It's on the screen. Luke chapter 24 verse 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scripture? My prayer, church, for us and for you, for me, is that my cold heart, frozen on Antarctica, would begin to burn as his spirit is moving in me and as his word becomes alive in me. And it melts the cold, cynical, selfish ways of Alpino's heart. When he just gets numb with the sufferings of this world. Not even evil necessarily against me. Just, it's just hard, man. There's just a lot of lies floating out there and they're real easy to ingest. Kind of like bad food. Nothing worse than eating some bad Mexican food. You're going to be sick for a while. Nothing against Mexicans. But... And that's how we are. We just ingest it and ingest it and we get discouraged and we get cold and it's, it's, it's windy and the sun's not out and I'm on Antarctica and I haven't seen the sun for six months and is Shackleton ever going to get back here to rescue us and all I see is ice and everything is ice and I'm so tired of being cold, so tired of being hungry, I'm so tired of this. And then the warmth of the word of God and the resurrection power flows over me because Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And that resurrection power gives us resurrection endurance. Point two. In verse 10, we see Christ's resurrection power producing resurrection endurance. Read it with me. It's the first mention of the word endure in our text. Therefore, are you there? Wherever you see therefore, I want you to take your pen out and circle it. If you have an iPad, just circle it on your iPad. 
Write it on your neighbor's arm. Therefore, what's that therefore, therefore? That therefore is to tell you that what's about to be said is based upon what was just said. Therefore, therefore, comma, I endure. How? By resurrection power. I endure everything. And he's enduring a lot. Are you there? Are you in Rome, first century? Paul was enduring a lot. In fact, he died right after writing this. I endure. Also, Everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus the Lord. This word elect is very, very interesting. It points us back to a doctrine in scripture called the doctrine of election. And what that doctrine tells us is that in salvation, the primary mover is God. So resurrection power is not born of Alpino or my willpower, my ability or my cleverness to survive on Antarctica with no food or nothing for a year. How'd they do that? Read the book. It's called Endurance. Great book. But it's by the power of God because this word elect, Paul endures for the sake of the elect for their salvation because of God's eternal glory. So let's just peek at this doctrine of election. Bear with me for a moment. Write this scripture down. Study it for yourself this afternoon. That doctrine is most clearly seen in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. Paul writing, a few years earlier, by the way, and he says this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Why does resurrection power lead to resurrection endurance. Because resurrection power and resurrection endurance are born of God's will. It was God's plan. He chose you, dear elect, before the foundation of the world. And he chose you not based upon what you do or don't do, but based upon his good will. So guess what? It was God's good will that Shackleton's men in an impossible way, survived Antarctica for over a year in minus 78 degree weather. And it's God's good will, dear elect Christian, that you will survive. You will not only survive, but you will suffer for the gospel by his power. By his power. It's not my power. It's not my will. It's God's will. It's based on the resurrection power. And then Paul does something. He says, look, I do this for the sake of the elect. Now, listen to me carefully, church. We endure for the sake of the elect that are yet to be saved in this city. I do it for your sake, dear elect brother and sister of Christ. Shackleton's men knew that if they banded together, they had a greater chance of surviving. And they were right. And as the church, this is our mission. I endure, I endure with joy, I endure cold nights, I endure discouragement, I endure all the stuff, hunger, and all that. I endure what Paul was enduring, some of us worse, some of us not as bad, but I do it for the sake of the elect. I do it for you and me. We're in this together. We, we do this because there are people walking around outside right now in our community that are the elect of God, but they're not saved yet. 
And so we endure, we preach the gospel, we live the gospel, we work together, we give together, we, we, we have fun together, we do outreaches together, we, we meet in community groups together, we meet in prayer groups together, the, the singles, the equipped singles meet together, and the, and the youth, and, and smaller groups meet together, and ladies meet together to, to talk about Bible things and, and to help each other, men meet together to talk about Bible things and help each other for the sake of the elect, because we've been given life, and we have the hope of the resurrection. And God enables us to endure. And then in verse 11 to 13, Paul seals this teaching of resurrection power leads to resurrection endurance for the sake of the gospel with a hymn of the first century. You you want to know an early hymn? It's not in the Trinity hymnal. It was written far before that was written. This is an early hymn of the church. In your Bibles, you might see these next few verses kind of indented a little bit, like as if it were a poem or or, or lyrics to a song, and it's exactly what it was. Look at verse 11. The saying is trustworthy. So what he's about to say is, what I'm going to tell you now is true and trustworthy. This is an ancient hymn or perhaps a confession of the church. And look at the first line here of verse 11. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Many scholars say that this most probably was a hymn that was sung by a a new believer as he or she was waiting to be baptized or perhaps as a confession of faith to their baptism. Several were baptized here just recently, Gabe and Myra and and, and Gabby. And and before they were baptized, I asked them, would you please give a a testimony? And they went, oh, okay, I'll give a testimony. They got up here and were like, "Eh," you know. But this is like what they would have said in the first century. Now, where did they get that from? Where do you get this? Look Look again at verse 11b. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Well, let's think about it for a second. Why would God inspire Paul to write that? Why was that a, a hymn of the first century church? All right, so Paul wrote 2 Timothy in around 65 AD. Back up the time machine to maybe around late 50s AD. Let's say 10 years earlier, roughly. We're not exactly sure. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome. It's called Romans. Very good. You're paying attention. All right. And Paul wrote that letter to the church in Rome. He hadn't been there yet. He's now there 10 years later, but he had wrote that church to that letter to the church in Rome. And they took that letter as the word of God, because it was, and they began to teach that letter. And so one of the things they taught the church in Rome was from Romans six on the screen, verse four, and then skipping to verse eight. We were buried therefore with him by baptism and death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Now look at verse 8. Verse 8 is almost exactly word for word as 2 Timothy 3.11b. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. So Paul is saying this is an ancient hymn that the church learned because God inspired Paul to write Romans 10 years earlier. And now 10 years later, Paul is reminding Timothy, that's true. It's God's word. Endurance is fueled by resurrection power, the power that gave you life when God enabled you to repent and believe in Jesus. An unbeliever, listen, that God's here now by his spirit, and he may be giving you that power. And if he is, listen, you are dead in your sins, but God can make you alive in Christ. That's the resurrection power, firstly. But then Paul says, beyond that, 
That is a, 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 down, a down payment, a, a foretaste of one day our bodies will be resurrected and we will live with God forever and ever in eternity. And that's the second line of this hymn that you see in verse 12. Look it up with me. Back to 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. What? Yeah, Paul is saying this, I endure being chained as a prisoner and a murderer and a thief and a traitor in this cold, dark prison because I know that one day Jesus promises me because he chose me before the foundation of the world, because he's going to see me through in this world, because he gives me resurrection power to, to endure. One day I'm going to reign with him. All right, slow down here. Slow the machine down here just for a moment. Do you realize that God is saying, we're not just going to be in heaven and avoid hell? That's, that's enough for me. Kind of like with the whole communion thing. If I could just be a servant in the king's palace, I'm cool. I'm going to get three square meals a day, watch a little ESPN when I'm not working. I'm fine. No, no, he says, you're going to eat at the table as a son. He says, you're not only going to be in heaven, I am going to have you assist me in reigning over this whole thing. Oh, man. Listen, that's better than if the Dolphins were to win the next 10 Super Bowls. Trust me. Or you hit the lottery. You are going to reign with Jesus forever. So what if I suffer here at 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years? It hurts. I'm not saying it doesn't. But do you understand what your future has in store for you because of God's choice, not your power, not your ability, God's choice, God's ability, resurrection power. But because that's true, you're going to reign. I love the way Kent Hughes says it in his commentary. Commenting on this verse. The reward for this endurance amazes us because it goes beyond being with him to reigning with him. This is not a pie-in-the-sky reward. Co-regency, that just means being like, uh, like, a, like, a co, like a VIP. Think about it. You're like the VIP of whatever, okay? Like for all eternity, you're going to be the VIP of what, Marcos? Mountain biking? Okay. You're like the VIP of all musicians. You know, I don't know. There's going to be so much and eternity is going to be so wonderful. It doesn't matter. You're ruling and reigning. He's the boss. You're reigning underneath him. We're co-regents. Speaks of privilege, intimacy. When God calls you in to reign with him, he shares with you the plans. You, you're not just a lackey that is out on the edge of this whole thing. You're one of the ones that is ruling and reigning with him over you. This is what God created us for in, at the very beginning. And he restores in Christ. Will be his co-reigning viceroys and confidants. What joy! The eternal reward goes beyond eternal rest to eternal responsibility. That's why I'm not going to ever retire. Someday I'll probably fall off the stage and get you know mortally wounded. I don't know because getting excited here. But but I, I just I'm just going to keep going. Listen, listen. It's not eternal rest. It is that, but it's eternal responsibility. But it all goes well. 
You're reigning in the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus Christ. And it's all going well. It's exciting. It's victory after victory. It's like Christmas during the beach when 15,000 people show up. And there's 200 that are saved. And the news media are coming over in helicopters saying, wow, they're baptizing those people. It's really cold right now, but they're doing it. Okay? Whatever it is, it's, it's whatever business venture you ever wanted to have. And it failed. But this one succeeds. It's like Disney movies on steroids. Disney movies are like playing in a mud puddle. This is like the best Caribbean, you know, La Romana or something, you know, the vacation you could ever have. This is the deal. It does end. They live happily ever after and they're productive and it's exciting and and, and eternity is ruling and reigning. Okay, sign me up. I'm going to be in a cold, dank prison accused of being a traitor and a terrorist and a murderer, and a thief. You're going to go cut my head off in a few days. Okay, that's going to hurt. I'm not going to deny that, all right? But what wakes me on the other side is worth it. There is a warning, and it's the next line. If we deny him, he also will deny us. I believe this is speaking to the unbeliever. If you're here as an unbeliever, I I say, please, please, please. The other side of all that I've just now been preaching is not good. You're here, so I believe God has something to say to you. You're hearing me preach. You're seeing these words. You're reading these scriptures. Stop denying him as Lord. Bow your knee. Repent and believe now by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the final line is a great promise. Oh, listen, for those of us who are Christians, how many of us haven't been faithless? How many of us haven't blown it? right? But if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. We're adopted by the father. Jesus adopts us in Christ. He's not going to deny us. You always are going to have a place at the table. Now you might get a little pow pow and you need it. And the pow pow could hurt a little bit. Owie, owie, owie is one of my kids used to say, but he will never deny you if you're truly his. that, that, What a picture of God's mercy, God's grace. Don't you need that? As you're listening to me right now and you're thinking, but Al, my heart's been so cold for so long. I mean, I'm barely here. Maybe you're listening. You haven't been here for a while. You're listening to this on the web. Thank you. You know, the little bit of grace. You're like, your body is at hypothermia. You're sitting on an iceberg in Antarctica, spiritually speaking. And all you can do is kind of reach out and hit the iPod. Okay, here comes the grace. You ready to get warm? God will never, ever, ever deny you because you are his in Christ. And he will warm you when you are not able to warm yourself. We endure by remembering Jesus Christ raised from the dead. (laughs) that's, That's the power of the resurrection. Not because we're able to do it, but he does it in us. But he calls us to cooperate with him. Look, I just want to conclude with this. Getting back to Shackleton, what is said is, That Shackleton was a tremendous leader. Harvard uh, uses this as a case study in corporate leadership, believe it or not. Uh, What did Shackleton do? How did these guys endure with this hope of rescue? Well, number one, uh, Shackleton made sure that they maintained all their normal routines. They maintained all of their normal routines. They ate at the same time. They had, you know, this guy had to do this, that one had to do that. And you know what he made them do after they ate? He made them socialize. That means that this might have to get turned off at dinner tonight. 
Because he realized that the greatest enemy to people that are in a difficult place, that are suffering together, is declining morale, is fear, and the threat that takes hold of our hearts when things don't go as planned. Being marooned in Antarctica is like the maximum things not going as planned. High levels of anxiety and disengagement can fuel a slow burn of pessimism or a slow chilling of the heart. Go find somebody that's disengaged. It's walking off by himself on the, on the ice cap, you know, just dazed. A fellow church member. Say, come on back. Come on back. What are the routines? They're the, the normal means of grace. God's word. God's word preached together. Communion that we just celebrated. Baptism. Community groups where we have biblical fellowship. Smaller groups where you're sharing the word with one another. Bible studies that take place throughout the week here at Palm Vista. These are the normal means of grace. These are the routines fueled by the power of the resurrection that enables us to have resurrection endurance. And may God bless this church as we endure for the sake of the elect together to the day Jesus comes and brings us home. Let's pray. Worship team, you could stay right where you're at. I'm just going to close in prayer. Lord, I pray that you would give us grace this morning to whatever degree our hearts are chilled, to whatever degree we are sitting discouraged. We're in our house, and metaphorically speaking, we can see our breath. It's so cold. There are icicles forming around our ears and hanging off of our hair. We're so cold. We're tired of being cold and hungry and disappointed. We're tired of things not going as we had planned. We, we're tired of it, Lord. We, we want to throw in the towel. But, oh, Father, I pray the resurrection power of Jesus would flow like, like warm water through the pumps of our hearts and that we would say, no, there, there is glory on the other side of this. We've been chosen for a reason. We will be ruling and reigning with you forever and ever. Give us that vision, Lord. Let us remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. And, Lord, if there is an unbeliever here this morning, Would today be the day that that resurrection power gives life to their dead hearts? They respond to the gospel. Let me just pause for a moment in my prayer. If that's you, we'd love to say hi to you. Just come down. Go over to the guest table. Wait till we're done talking to people. We want to pray with you. But Lord, would you do that? Give life. Life that only comes through Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.